You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 73. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Jimmy, and I am definitely not a serial killer. I don't know why anyone would think that. I am, however, here with Rob. And I've never done blackface. Wow. And Greg. <laughs> I think that's actually true. That, yeah, that's true. But I think saying you haven't done it is, oddly enough, just as bad as... I don't know. Never mind. Hi. Hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. On the Gimme 5 podcast, we discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we're going to revisit The Punisher, check out the latest buzz about the Netflix show Russian Doll, and we'll see if the Lego 2 movie stacks up to the original or if it steps on the proverbial Lego brick. And and I'm just going to ignore the... Well, I'm not going to ignore it because I'm going to mention it, but somebody misspelled proverbial. That would be me. That's I'm that's the me. wrong. That's the proverbial. Actually, I did not. I did not uh, misspell it. But when I misspelled it the first place, I then right clicked on it and said autocorrect, and it autocorrected the wrong way. So well, we're getting holy on the Give Me Five podcast this week. Maybe it is a proverbial Lego brick. Maybe it's like brick three sixteen. You don't know. Also, that, and moving build along, build onto others before they build onto you. Yes, thank you. I just put my head in my hands. (laughs) At the end of the show, that week's host, which is me, will have the opportunity to rant about something on their mind. And it's a good one this week, folks, so stick around. Sweet. Guys, we review stuff. We do. Spoilers. We do try to avoid major twists that make things either good or bad. So if we happen to be talking about something you have not seen, read, or listened to yet or played, or, I don't know, something along those lines. Please use your own discretion, and don't get angry because we warned you. We did. So, uh, what's new? What's going on in your world? Well, I I haven't seen it yet, but apparently they've gone and put out a new trailer for a new Frozen movie. I heard about it. You heard about it? What did you hear? I did see it. You did see it. I then assigned it to you because I had enough stuff to say. Yeah, I I I was at Disney all day. I didn't see it. Um, I believe that's ironic. I know, right? But the I I remember hearing something about a Frozen two trailer, but then found out that it was a joke and it wasn't a real thing. Is this the same thing? Or no, this is very clearly a real one. Oh, okay. It is dark looking. Really? So it's it's uh, Elsa. She's standing on the shore of like this these crashing waves and it's it's like dusk or early morning something like that the waves are very dark and she's like kind of frustrated and like walking back and forth like towards the waves and away from the waves okay and then she like kind of runs and tries to like freeze her way up the crashing wave and then falls and then decides and then she like kind of does it again and makes like little like padded footprints wherever she steps kind of like mm-hmm. Iceman. okay uh and then she gets to a like a rock outcropping or a rock whatever those like Rocks that are kind of sticking out of the water, like a small little thing. I uh, think something that uh, Little Mermaid would be like laying on, and or Greg in a or me in a shell top. Bikini. Yeah, yeah. Um, and forgive the child in the background there. But anyway, she gets up to there, uh, 
and there's more icy. She like kind of slides down it, and there's some more stuff like that. Not a lot plot wise that happens, uh, but it's definitely a much darker take on things. Hmm. Okay. And well, that's a movie I'm not going to be seeing. What? You never, saw, you never saw the first one either, did you? No. I have no desire since that train wreck that they showed before Coco. Well, I just immediately hate those movies because of that. They did say, if you actually. And everyone it, singing and covering Let It Go. Jimmy, Let It Go. I mean, uh... They actually mention that the movie seems very devoid of Olaf based on what you see in that trailer. In the article that it's I read. not Olaf that makes me not like those movies. It's the everything else. Oh, that's the other thing that like what the trailer eventually gets into. So she, there's also a lot of imagery of autumn or fall, like a lot of leaves blowing around and someone off in the distance that we're not sure who it is. Um, and some of these those little floating triangular crystals that you see. There's a lot of that. Uh, definitely quite a few reindeer. So I'm a kind of a fan of uh, of the reindeer, but I'll see it. I enjoyed the first one, and I've seen it four billion times, thanks to uh, certain little children. And I think I'm Carl good. liked it, right? Frozen, yeah. But you, it's probably you have the same opinion as me. It's not as good as Tangled, but better than some of the other um, Disney computer-generated offerings. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did really like the music in Frozen. I don't think that's um, something to worry about, because I think a billion people like the music in Frozen. Yeah, well... You know, I mean, it, it did get overplayed a little bit, but I I did enjoy the music from Frozen more so than I enjoyed the music from from Rapunzel or from Rapunzel from uh, Tangled. Um, but the the story, I think, I probably like Tangled. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm anti musical in general, so I kind of wish they would take all of the music out. But I do think that in musical sequences, the Frozen, the big song, the Let It Go thing, was like one of the best music sequences in any of the Disney movies. Maybe this side of, I don't know, the Beauty and the Beast thing or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was stunningly done. But uh, I we I saw that right before you know, we started recording, so I figured it was probably something to talk about since we have, in fact, talked about Disney quite a bit. And of course, it will most likely be the biggest hit movie of this year as it comes out in November. And I'm sure other movies are, other than maybe uh, Avengers Endgame, I think a lot of movies are going to be hopping right out of the way of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's let's go from uh, Frozen, I guess, to my actual bit of no. here. Let me let me interrupt you here, oh, sorry. real quick. I have some breaking news. Oh. Um, that is that is super um, entertaining and uh, a reason to get Hulu for me. Uh, Deftones. This is the headline: Deftones. Chino Marino scores music for Hulu's Into the Dark horror series. Ooh. The episode titled "I'm Just Fucking with You" premieres April fifth. So I am I am not ashamed at all of my man crush on Chino Marino. I think he's the most creative musician in hard rock today, and uh, that for me is a reason enough to have a subscription to Hulu. I have not yet seen that show. Neither have I, but you will. I will. Well, I guess kind of close. Uh, Devil in the White City talked about it last week. And I have semi gone on record as that is one of my favorite books of all time. It was absolutely amazing, yeah. And it was supposed to be a movie. And it was supposed to be a movie for the past, what, seven years, ten years? How long have we been following news about that? Yeah, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio got the rights to it. He was going to play H.H. Holmes, the America's first serial killer. Uh, Scorsese was involved because that seems to be a thing. Scorsese working with DiCaprio. 
And it's a difficult book to produce, I guess. It seems like it's a very interesting story, but because it covers, I guess, both the architect of the White City, which was the Chicago World's Fair of 1893. It was called the White City. Because everything mm-hmm. was these giant, white, beautiful buildings. And it was kind of hard to cover that. And the serial killer aspect and all these people coming to Chicago and you know getting murdered, basically, and no one really knowing what happened to them. But I think they're, they have decided to avoid doing it as a movie that would inevitably be like four hours long and instead do it as a TV show. Also, Hulu, with Scorsese and DiCaprio producing, now that is either going to mean that DiCaprio is no longer playing H.H. Holmes or that DiCaprio will be jumping to a Hulu show, which would be insane because these streaming things seem to be getting bigger and bigger stars. Yeah, I guess it depends on how married to that role he is. Mm -hmm. Be interesting to see. Yeah. I think he's great. That book is super interesting because not only does it really kind of show a lot about the the serial killer thing, but it actually introduces you to a lot of what Chicago is. So even if you don't particularly like true crime stuff, I was actually almost as fascinated by the fact that like without that World's Fair, Chicago was not considered one of the biggest cities in the country at the time. It was kind of considered a backwoods just place for them to stop with a bunch of cattle before they executed them. And it was basically Los Angeles and New York, and that was about it. Philadelphia, maybe. But Chicago basically got the World's Fair. A lot of people started going there, and it built it into the city it is today. And so that side of it I thought was really interesting. And there was a lot of other things that got introduced there, like uh, the Ferris wheel, I think, was one of them. It was, yes. It was a direct response to the Eiffel Tower. Anyway, uh, the other thing was, the other thing I kind of found interesting and in The Devil in the White City was the idea of the the Egyptian song. Mm-hmm. And like, as soon as you say Egyptian song, like, everyone thinks of the same song, which literally had nothing to do with Egypt whatsoever. By the Go-Go's, Walk Like an Egyptian. That's First of all, that's the Bengals. Second of all, that's not what I'm referring to. Third of all... Excuse me. <laughs> third of all, I'm the you know, like the, the, the song of that kind of... That was basically just the song they made up for the Egyptian exhibit of the double, of the Chicago World's Fair, which I th- it's so weird to me that like everyone thinks that. And you know that yeah. people in Egypt are like, oh, get over it, people. So anyway... That- yeah, the the building and everything that went into the World's Fair down World's Fair down to the um the head gardener, you know, his day to day and and the you know struggle that he had to overcome in planting all these trees in the last like thirty minutes before the show opened was just as fascinating as H. H. Holmes' murder castle. So that's very exciting news. I can't wait. And with my new Hulu subscription, I'll be checking that out. Yep. Well, you know, uh, there are some exciting weddings, and then there are some really exciting weddings. Like, I thought my wedding was really nice, mostly exciting. However, it did not hold a candle to the uh, wedding of Matthew and Kayla Amers of Willingboro, New Jersey. All right, so what happened there? So, Matthew Amers, the groom Mm -hmm. in this here wedding, asked an underage waitress uh, if she wanted to go outside and make out (laughs) during the ceremony, or during the... The reception. All right. Uh, she, of course, said no for multiple reasons. And then she, he decided to follow her into the bathroom where he uh, decided to grope her and then exposed himself to her, which uh, we're going to laugh at some things, but that's not one of the things to laugh at. Cause I hope I laugh at something weird. soon because this doesn't sound great. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, there's a little bit of a time period after this happened, like about two hours or so, when police 
got called to the wedding when a fight broke out. All right. So I'm kind of wondering what happened in those two hours, if it was a lot of convincing this girl something or that someone got mad about this or what they didn't really say. But anyway, uh, police got called to the wedding a few mm-hmm. hours later because I think fight. I heard I think I read it was like a, a drunken fight or something. It was a fight between himself and somebody else and the police got called yeah. to break it up. Yeah. And then the, so when they got there, uh, this guy Amers was yelling. He yelled a bunch of derogatory things at the police and attempted to board a shuttle bus. Like, I guess the one that they hired for the wedding, and then it was eventually removed and arrested. He uh, was then charged with indecent assault, indecent exposure, false imprisonment of a minor, and other offenses. He does face a preliminary hearing for sex assault on the 21st of February, and his uh, new wife, Kayla, uh, maintains his innocence, and the current status of their marriage is unclear, So, but she does she is vouching for him, so she's a little bit of an enabler. And I, I had some thoughts here. Yeah. So, first of all... Like, in my wedding, like, I was too busy to even eat any of the dinner or the cake, or actually the, the lunch-brunch thing, or the cake, because there was, I was too busy getting shuttled around, talking to people, and whatever. So I don't know how this guy possibly had an opportunity to attempt to make out with somebody. So, so that, I mean... This was during the reception, though. It was during the reception. Like, so I, I literally have no idea what my wedding food tasted like, because I didn't even get a single bite of it, because I was too busy. So how did this guy get an opportunity to try to make out with a waitress or even drink this, enough to make him th- feel like that was a good enough idea. This guy is screwed because not only did he commit sexual assault, but he committed sexual assault on a minor. True. Uh, white trash and alcohol, man. That's your answer. Well, that's the other thing. So you, you say the he white was trash probably and drunk when he got to the wedding. Well, yeah. L- look at like the photo true. of this dude. Oh yeah. He does. He's got that. Oh, like, there's, there's no eye. question. This dude was drunk. But, and, like, we say white trash, but I guess white trash has nothing to do with money. But, like, the fact that they were able to afford to, like, rent a shuttle bus, that either means that alcohol is so important that you know beforehand, like, look, everyone's going to be drunk. We need to do shuttles. Because mm-hmm. that's expensive. <laughs> Weddings are expensive as it is, much less renting a shuttle bus. I can't imagine. And then <laughs> the other thing is, like, he did all this stuff in a place where there's probably more pictures being taken in that square, you know, whatever, 100 square feet or 1,000 square feet of ballroom mm-hmm. because everyone's taking cell phone pictures. So there's very clear going to be some picture of him hitting on this girl. So, and why of course would she, would this girl lie? This underage girl, why would she possibly lie about this, this thing when his, so since his wife is maintaining his innocence, I don't know not to get too serious, but this guy is uh, screwed as Rob said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. And, yep. Castro. So, He'll be screwed again. Uh, once he gets to prison. Ooh. Yeah. And, uh, He's probably not going to be able to go on his honeymoon. You know, can't can't jump bail. He'll go on a honeymoon with Bubba, his cellmate. Mm-hmm. We said we would revisit some past topics as we went through them. So a few weeks ago, we talked about the Punisher. We had watched, I think, the first few episodes of it, and Rob had made some comments about characters that he liked that kind of disappeared. I did get a chance to finish it last night, so there are going to be a few spoilers out there for those of you watching the Punisher now, and. So a few things. First of all, we, in the first time we mentioned it, we said that the girl Amy, I think mm-hmm. was her name, uh, was kind of annoying. She turns out that she's not really as annoying as originally thought. However, I think the latter half of this series might have been hamstrung by the fact that Netflix has started canceling all their Marvel shows. Mm. Because there's some very weird decisions. Okay. Mm. So basically these two seasons kind of without actually meaning to serve as like an origin story. Or maybe they do mean to, but it's it's subtle serves as an origin story for the Punisher because we always kind of thought of the Punisher more as a 
Punisher versus the mob, right. Punisher versus street level criminals. And this was kind of a bigger story with a lot of like tendrils and do conspiracy and things like that. And the way the show season two ends, it really kind of brings them down to that street level that we're kind of used to seeing. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I always felt the movies got the Punisher very wrong. Although there was that one short, right? Is that, am I correct that there was like a short based on the Punisher that was really good? Yeah, Dirty Laundry in yeah, uh, yeah, Adi, Adi Shankar's uh, bootleg universe. So yeah. check it yeah, out. So, we talked about Adi Shankar earlier. Yeah. Dirty Laundry is great. Thomas Jane. That was like the one be. thing that got it right. Good. Oh, Rob, they, some, oh no. I was saying Tom Thomas Jane was the Punisher in that, but it was a much better Punisher movie than the Punisher movies with Thomas Jane. Yes. Okay. And I always thought that too. They, for some reason, when they, when they did the Punisher movies, he always leaned on torture where he would like torture the criminals. And I guess they were just going very literal with his name, but that really wasn't his deal. He wanted to just basically stop the crime by putting an end to the criminal immediately and as fast as possible. So it wasn't like a torture thing unless he needed to get some sort of like information out of him historically in the, in all the comics. And I was a big Punisher reader, so I have a ton of their com- the comics. You know, it always seemed to me a little more like the Joker at the beginning of uh, Dark Knight, where as soon as the person does their job, he just pops them without a single word, like in that bank robbery scene. I always thought of the Punisher more like that, where it's just like, doing crime? Okay, you're done. No speeches, no anything like that. Uh, this show actually kind of did that, which I liked. I did think there was some very weird handling of different characters that made it a little more unrealistic. Uh, specifically, there's a character named Dumont who's a doctor who's working with Billy, who's the guy that got his face all smushed up in the first one, Jigsaw. And he was like mm-hmm. the Punisher's best buddy. So I did not like the way they handled her. Uh, one, she basically like falls for him, and they try to play it off with like a, a flashback kind of thing, where they show her having a bad relationship with her father, a, an interesting kind of torn relationship with her father, and maybe that's why she fell for him. But she like she's a therapist, she's smart, and all of a sudden she like falls in love with him, and she starts like helping him in doing some of these crimes that he's doing. And it was... It didn't sit right with me, and it seemed really hamstrung and poorly done. Um, the character Pilgrim, who's like this super religious character, he actually turned out to be a little more interesting. And do, was he seen in the episode you saw, Rob? Um, I well, Pilgrim has been in was in a couple of because wasn't he the one behind the assault on the police precinct? Uh, I don't remember. I think that was Billy. No, no, it definitely wasn't Billy. It was it was the weird, creepy, like Mormon like guy. Yeah, yeah, okay, like the guy that kind of looks like a priest. Looks yeah. Like, yeah, and his eyes are kind of down at the sides, like yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, he was so the one he... that was behind the police precinct, uh, the assault on the precinct. Mm-hmm. He's reverse cross-eyed? No, like his, he's kind of got like, not lazy eyes, but like, uh, just, uh, there's a term for it. Oh, just okay. kind of, kind of stoned eyes, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, uh, he is interesting because they... Have there's a great battle with him in the final episode between the Punisher and him. Mm-hmm. It's super violent. It's it's actually very well choreographed. It's very well done. And he's done some terrible things. And then it kind of is like, well, th- these people, these these rich people that are kind of funding this group, have his kids. He says like they have my kids. And what would you do? And the Punisher kind of looks at it like, well, if I had the opportunity to save my kids, there's nothing I wouldn't have done. So he kind of in a way lets him go. So it's an interesting dissection of fatherhood. But the problem is the fact that. This guy did some terrible, terrible things, and I and the Punisher eventually does let him go, and I'm not entirely sure if that's to character. Gotcha. Um, there, when this series first came out, they did mention that he's going to be taking on like a gang of neo Nazis or right wing white supremacist people that 
are basically part of this group with the pilgrim guy, but they kind of messed up. They kind of had it gets, I want to say political, but it's not like making a political stance, like political in the fact that someone's like a Senator involved in this. And okay. like, it didn't, it, you never, they never mention it. Like you have to search out the fact that that's what these guys are. Like, they're just bikers and they like mean things, but there's never that like scene that leads you to believe that other than reading about it beforehand when the show came out. They're basically just, they've got this senator who's, who's like destined for good things, but he, and he's the son of these like wealthy people and he happens to be gay. And the only thing that's remotely like right wing that I saw was them being like, well, we have to hide the fact that he's gay, which doesn't make any sense in today's world, but maybe with these guys it does. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, now there, I mentioned the pilgrim battle. There is a princess bride type moment in there, and I don't. And I actually saw this in an article about it. So they're fighting, basically just beating each other down with like random junk in the junkyard, like a chain and a pipe and whatever. And at one point, they're kind of stagger away from each other, and they're having a hard time standing up. And uh, Frank, the Punisher, he asks uh, Pilgrim if he needs to catch his breath. Like they kind of pause. He's like, "Do you need to catch your breath?" And someone said, "Oh, it was the, like the most princess bride type reference I've seen in a show like this." Um, I don't, of course, know that reference, but do you know that reference? Um, yeah, it's uh, the battle on the cl- on top of the Cliffs of Insanity. Oh, okay, where uh, Inigo pulls him up, and and he's like, "Thank you," and he goes to draw his sword, and Inigo's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait until you're ready," and he lets him sit down, empty the rocks out of his boots, and everything, and that's when he asks him, "I I don't mean to pry, but you don't by chance happen to have six fingers on your right hand? Do you always begin gotcha. conversations okay. this way?" Makes sense. Makes sense. So thank you, random online writer that uh, pointed that out. I was like, oh, a Rob thing. Now, the thing I mentioned where I thought that the show was definitely hamstrung in the later episodes, I did enjoy it. I thought there were some great action sequences, things like that. But I think that it definitely seemed like they got in the news at some point that they were going away. So they needed to close up things that were probably supposed to be for later on because they did some really good, like emotional set pieces. Like uh, the Punisher basically is, you know, making sure that. He's yelling at Amy for not taking it as Amy's the girl that we thought was kind of annoying at first. He's like yelling at her for not taking it seriously enough or for not training well enough or for doing things she shouldn't. It never really comes back. As far as I remember, you know, like usually if something happens at the beginning of a show with like somebody teaching somebody how to disarm somebody or to how to stab someone. And there's a movie where someone stabs somebody in the leg and twists the knife and stuff. You know what's going to happen at the end of the movie kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have that kind of feel to it. It doesn't come back. And then there's a whole sequence where the pun- where the Punisher thinks that he's just as bad as the bad guys because he killed some innocent people, but it turns out he didn't. And his idea, his, the idea behind it was like, oh, he just shot through the wall and maybe hit some people that he wasn't supposed to. But like, and he's really upset about it. And there's a whole episode about him like feeling he's that terrible because of that thing. And then at the last episode, he's literally fighting someone by shooting through a hotel wall. Mm. So this whole thing about not randomly shooting through things, and it's like a giant shootout between like. You know, like the two, the hotel wall that shares like the beds on both sides and they're like both hiding on either side of the bed shooting each other. So I thought that was a little weird. Awesome. Uh, the order of the ending is a little weird because like usually the big bad, it's like a video game, right? Like, yeah, the, you progressively get game. higher with the bosses. Yeah. And in this one, like one of the characters gets killed, not off screen, but like just randomly gets shot. Uh, one of them is let go. And then the, the big, big, big bad are these like rich people that are like funding this whole thing. And he catches them at dinner in their giant mansion and like kills one of them and basically lays a bullet on the table. And is like, well, you can live with what you've done or you can kill yourself. So the weird thing is, is the Punisher lets 
the one dude that did terrible things go. I apparently killed a bunch of people in a police station, which I kind of forgot. Uh, so let's one person go <laughs> that did that because he's a father. Let's this rich dude basically kill himself or be go free. And then the very final scene of the whole thing, here's your major spoiler alert. They do a scene where there's like a gang in like a, they're kind of standing at the end of like one of those like giant drainage tunnels. And they're kind of doing that thing where they're talking about like, well, who called you here for the ceasefire? It's like, I don't know. I thought you called us for the ceasefire. And then the Punisher opens up on him with like two giant machine guns. Like you've seen that picture of the Punisher where he's like got two machine guns in each hand or one mm -hmm. machine gun in each hand. He's kind of like just firing them both at the same time. The so Uzis? Lets... What? The Uzis? No, it's like the, okay. the big ones. All right, gotcha. Like, think, uh, think rock and roll, or not rock and roll. Uh, rock and roll high school. Yeah. No, thinking rock and roll from uh, uh, from G.I. Joe. Joe, but no, the other guy. Uh, okay. Roadblock. Think Roadblock right. from G.I. Okay. Joe. Gotcha. So, like, he let, kills all these people, so he lets the two murderous, like, dudes go. Yeah. And I'll just I'll just say it. These two, the two murderous right-wing white guys go. And the very ethnic-looking gangs who are there for a peace accord, he kills them all. Oh, which is I it doesn't I, I, it fits the comic very well, but it doesn't fit yeah. what it seemed like the actual TV show was trying to show. Well, you had written down here that he he was supposed to gun down a bunch of skinheads. And I was like, sweet. I love watching skinheads get their faces kicked in. But yeah. wh what happened to that? It, nothing. It just it goes to basically there's like a little sequence with uh, Madani. The uh, mm -hmm. uh, one of the FBI agents or yeah. investigators, the, the, or the main FBI agent from the first season. Yeah, she's like mm -hmm. wants him to work for her, and there's like some. That's kind of like the end. There's like the big ending where the, the rich people die. Then she's like, "I want you to work for me," and then it cuts to the like last scene of him like gunning down a bunch of uh, of gang members. Kind of weird. Uh, it it ooh. really does sound like it was a victim of we got to wrap this up. Yeah. It it does because like there are some major characters that die inconsequentially, although emotionally good. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, the bartender does not reappear, which Boo! Is, yeah. So that was kind of weird. And there's kind of a major change to one of the characters that doesn't really seem to go anywhere. And Micro never shows up again either, which is kind of a good thing because Micro had a rough time of it last mm -hmm. episode or last year. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a good thing that you don't see him because you hope he's living happily with his family. But I like that character. Yeah, so, I did too. So that is my, I guess, 15-minute review of The Punisher Season 2. Fantastic. Well done, Greg. I'll have to binge on that soon. And now it's time for Snap Decisions. Hit it! I think this is going to be an interesting one. All right. Let's do it. Because it's a little self-serving, but, well, I don't know what I think about it. So uh, this past week, I did see that Will Ferrell actually dropped the Ron Burgundy podcast, and it is backed by a major internet radio corporation, which I'm not sure exactly who they're attached to, but it's iHeartRadio. Uh, I did get a chance to listen to it. It's okay. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I tuned out after about 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of Ron Burgundy straight up, and it's a lot of what you would expect it to be. Like, what's a podcast? I had to look it up, that kind of thing. Okay. And... I would say that most of the other podcasts I listen to that are just people like us doing it in our bedrooms or offices or whatever, I find better. Mm -hmm. You know, like stuff like Lore and things like that, which are big now, but started off as small projects. But anyway, uh, my thought 
was that you know celebrities immediately reach larger audiences and they don't have to market it you know they but they don't have to do any of the work right like i don't think that will ferrell is doing anything other than just riffing i don't see him writing scripts i don't see him doing the stuff we do for research or any of the major podcasts out there even the smaller podcasts out there and it does immediately suck up advertising dollars and the market is very crowded and that's you know it's in some ways the advertising dollars are vital for the small shows and for people that have something to say but don't have the the pedestal of being will ferrell or of being try to think of someone that didn't start off in the podcast world because who's that one comedian that does the mma stuff he's big joe rogan yeah, so like Joe Rogan started on podcasts like before anyone was doing them. So like his he's, podcast is like the biggest on the planet. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm not talking about him, but I'm talking about like someone that's already a celebrity now. That's like I should do that podcast thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you know it sucks up a lot of money from people of us, and it's really nothing for their overall income or their popularity level. So guys, what is your feeling about marquee celebrities? moving into a medium that is really tailor-made for just regular people like us and the other people you guys might listen to out there uh, and do-it-yourselfers. So what is your feeling about celebrities starting podcasts? I can go. Yeah, I can go first. Um, Look, Will Ferrell's not taking money out of my pocket. We're we're not making really any money for doing this thing. Um, Do I think that the Ron Burgundy podcast will affect that in the future? I don't think so. Um, the podcasts that I listen to outside of ours when I'm doing quality control are not talk focused. They are, um, story based. So yeah, he can do his thing. That's fine. It, some people find it funny. Uh, I, I think the Ron Burgundy character is pretty great in, uh, in the Anchorman movies, but I, I look, I hear this. I listen to iHeart radio stations um, I heard radio. They're, they're huge, Greg. They, uh, they hosted the podcast award, you know, the first ever podcast awards. They heart, uh, host the I heart radio fest, I heart, I heart media festival with all these big acts and everything. Um, they're going to pay him, you know, they're probably going to try to sell merchandise and get subscription services for it. And they probably will. Oh, okay. Um, it's clear channel, Rob. It's clear channel. So they own blockbuster in the past. That's who I heard. Right? Yeah. They just rebranded. Right, right. They're massive. Yeah. So um, if celebrities want to get into it, that's cool. I know Dak Shepard has a really popular one called Armchair Quarterback. I don't listen to it. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of a celebrity doing a podcasting character. And I think I think the Ron Burgundy podcast will get real old real quick. So good on you. Go for it, celebrities. I'm not going to listen. And Rob. Oh, hold on. We haven't done this in a while. Here you go. There you go. Ugh. Napalm death. Um, get off my lawn, Wolf Arrow. No, I... <laughs> All right. Is he really out there right now? I, I, don't, I doubt it. That, that, that was actually his answer. It. He literally has Will Ferrell on his lawn. Yeah, he's he's creeping outside my house. Get off my lawn. Um, Honestly, I mean, yes, I, I see what you're saying, Greg, um, as far as you know, taking advertising dollars away from other podcasts or other deserving podcasts, basically being handed something where you're not really putting in any of the work. I, but I mean, you can't fault. I, you can't. He fault could people. be. It, it's possible. It's possible. Um, not likely, but it's possible. Um, 
you can't fault people for trying to make money because I, I don't know how much of this was actually Will Ferrell's idea and how much of this was brought to him by somebody who was like, you know what? You know what we need more of? We need more of that Ron Burgundy character. Do you want to do like a weekly podcast or something with, with that yeah, character? That's true. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know how much of that is actually Will Ferrell and how much of that was just a um, an opportunity for him to get paid to do something that he's, you know, I mean, he's an actor. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with Jimmy in that I, I don't know that he's really taken any advertising dollars out of out of my pocket, but it's it's really not anything that I'm going to listen to. Um, and I, th- and I think a lot of people who actually listen to podcasts, it may not be something that they listen to either. I mean, when you, when you talk about podcasts, I mean, I, I don't see the podcast, the podcast, um, that pop- demographic. Population. Yeah. The podcast yeah. demographic as being somebody who's, er, who's interested in a fake podcast with a fake persona. Yeah. I've heard ads for this thing on the radio. I've heard that thing ads for this at seven 11 and I'm just like, I don't care. But yeah. some people that are going to listen to it and go, Oh great. I've never listened to a podcast before. And maybe that'll open them up to listening right. to other podcasts. So and that's, maybe that's the part I like to get, maybe that'll bring them in to listen to other podcasts as well. Yeah. Cause I think all of us have had conversations with people like when we say, Oh, we do a podcast. Oh, what's that? I've never been able to listen to one. Oh, it's easy. Here's that icon on your phone. Hit this and do whatever. Right. And then and then you go, there's uh, this guy named Rob on there. He's really weird. So just ignore everything he says. Nah, yeah, we're not kidding. entirely sure how he ended up on there. Like he's just when we start recording, he's just there. He lives but, there. No, I'm, t- I'm torn on this as well. Just a quick thing. Like I, I don't ever want to tell anybody not to do something that they feel like doing. They might do it. He might just do it for fun. We do it for fun. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't he? But there's another part of me that's like it hurts. There's only so many people out there that you know, only so many listeners out there. And I think I'll only, I know me and Jimmy specifically will, you know, if we feel the need to learn about something new or if Jimmy wants a different like type of horror story or something like that, we'll go out and find it. And if the podcast industry goes the way I think it might go, because there's a huge deal where Spotify bought some giant podcasting company and is kind of merging into that, mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that the small podcasters will get pushed so far down the line that we're not going to get these interesting shows. Like the I Know Dino show, like, it's a great show. I put it all on my kids in the car and I learn really high end science stuff. And mm-hmm. of course we've had them on our show and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, lore, which went from a small show and blew up, but it still started as a one man show where a guy did stuff in his own office or whatever he records. in. So yeah. I'm very torn about the, the bigger people doing that because it is possible that it could get to a point where all of the smaller shows get pushed out because, okay, now I heart radio, but, 50 shows and this group bought 50 shows and they're basically just going to pay to push those to the top of the line mm-hmm. and everyone else gets pushed down to the bottom and it and goes away forever. Yeah. I mean, I'll be, you know, say it bluntly. I'd, I'd love to get paid for doing this, but the Me audience too. that we've reached so far um, is, is worth having to pay a few bucks a month to interact with these people, to, to get these interactions with people that we never thought we'd talk to, to be able to talk to, you know, what we view as heroes. Um, Mm -hmm. that's such a fulfilling thing for me that I'll gladly write you a check for, you know, however much when you tell me to, because otherwise I don't know, but you know, I, uh, and it's so, 
it's so gratifying to know that there are people out there who actually like the show and like to hear what it is that we have to say about it. Yeah, and, so, and I, I had an interaction tonight where somebody said, hey, I'm a big fan of the show. And I was just like, I don't really know what to say with that. Thank you. It's it's very cool. So it's Was was it your mom? No, it was Jubal's. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Jubal's. No, I've had, I've had that too, people that will surprise me. That mm-hmm. Either people I know residually or in real life or just other like people that have emailed us. So mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, we, we, of course, do, the we do it we for the here. interaction. Yeah, and we, of course, got to interview Timmy Capello, which is like the freaking most we, amazing thing. And he emails back and forth with us now. Yeah, we're like buds now. And that's like more than anything Besties. I could ever ask for coming out of this. I can't wait till he comes down to Florida. Timmy, if you're listening to this, man, can't wait to see you. Um, I would but, never dreamed in a million years that we'd be buds with Timmy Capello. Cool. Okay. Well, it's went a little bit of a different direction than I expected. But uh, yeah, we also gave a lot of free advertising to the Ron Burgundy podcast. <laughs> Good job, Greg. I guess. But if anybody jumps ship and they're like, oh, I'm not going to listen to Give Me Five podcast anymore because Rob Burgundy is so much better. I, we don't have any listeners like that. I don't think so. And they're not even listeners. They're friends. Yeah, exactly. Except for one of you. And you know who you are. Netflix has released a new series called Russian Doll. Um, and it's it's very Groundhog Day-esque with, with a couple of uh, other things involved. I love when Rob doesn't quite know what to say about something right away, where he, he goes, he like does that. It's, <laughs> I know yeah. I should be saying something nice here, and I kind of want to, but well, I also don't find know what to say that's nice. It stars it stars Natasha Leon, who basically, and Greg, I think you said you saw the first episode, and I've seen up through the episode where she she goes back to the homeless person okay. and finds like his stuff. Like she finds his stuff on the ground. She's like, and she calls that dude. And she's like, I think I know how this world works. Uh huh. Like that's where I'm at. So like, she basically reprises her role as Jessica from American Pie. Would you agree? The, uh, her her mannerisms, the way she talks, everything about her. To, when I saw the first episode, I'm like, oh, this is this is the chick from American Pie. If she if she was a computer programmer. Well, no, she was she was the same like intellectual talker. She, you know, went around, talked over people and stuff like that. And that's kind of what she's like in this movie too. Or in this series yeah. as well. I've seen her in a bunch of like I actually forgot that she was in American Pie to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I for some reason immediately think of Slums of Beverly Hills cuz I actually like that movie quite a bit, which I actually you probably did not see it. I did not see that one. Yeah, I I don't know, there's something about that. But anyway, that's what I used to that's what I thought of. And of course, more recently, Orange is the New Black. But like, I totally forgot about American Pie. So the story was very convoluted. Um, they never really get, and maybe, I mean, this is supposed to be a series. So maybe they'll get a little bit further into it in the next season. I don't know. But they never really get into how they got into the time loop. I mean, they, they have they have ideas. They have that they think they know how they got there and they think they know how to get out of it and they kind of do get out of it. But there's all kinds of things that happen in the time loop that it's like, Oh, well that's interesting. And then they don't really explain it. They just kind of correct it. And I'm like, well, how did you, what are we? Okay. I mean, as I got further into it, I, I thought some of the things that developed 
as as the time loop kept going, one of the things that happened was things started disappearing from the time loop. You know, almost like a count, like a doomsday clock kind of thing. Stuff started yeah. disappearing, and you've got you got this real this real feeling like, oh God, you know, I've only got so many of these left. I need to figure out what's going on. How do we figure out what's going on? I need to fix this because otherwise everybody's going to disappear, and I'm going to be here by myself, and then maybe I won't come back at all. So stuff started to disappear. And they're like, well, I have to fix this. Oh, well, obviously I have to do this. And I'm like, how is that obvious? What? I, oh. and, and it got to the point where I'm like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's kind of the part of it. I'm always wondered when they have these things where someone dies and comes back. Mm-hmm. They, in every movie, they always are constantly like, well, I can try this now. I can try. Let's see what it's like to die with a, by jumping out of an airplane or I can do this or that or whatever. But like, I think that anyone in their right mind wouldn't do that like regard like obviously none of us have died and come back again over and over again but you don't know that but i think one it would probably hurt a lot number and pain doesn't change and number two oh wait jimmy uh are you trying to tell us something what i didn't say anything (laughs) not a serial killer and definitely does not come back to life what and reset things okay anyway so like i don't know i think that people wouldn't do that because if you don't know what's causing you to reappear in the same point in your life, I don't think that you'd want to push it and then just be dead at some point. Right. Well, but I, but, but, but by the same token, I do understand the whole getting caught in a loop thing. And after you've been through the loop so many times of you just being like, Oh my God, I'm over this. Make it stop. I can't do this anymore. I'm stuck here forever. I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me just kill myself. Oh fuck. I'm back. So, I mean, I, I understand the, 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 the sense of helplessness, I guess is where you're going with that yeah. and, and wanting to kill yourself. But after you've done it once or twice or three times and you just come back, I got to believe that you kind of give up on that. But it, and, and let me, let me just say that I, I did enjoy the show. I actually binged it in one night. I watched all the episodes in one night. And How many are there? Uh, I want to say there's like eight. It's eight 30-minute episodes or 24-minute, yeah. 28-minute. Yeah. So it's there's digestible. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there were, like I said, it was confusing. And and it falls into the trap of the, the whole time alteration thing. Because initially when it happens, they set it up that basically everything resets. And they say it several times throughout the episodes. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. It'll just reset. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll just reset. And then stuff starts to not reset. And they never really kind of get into that. And so something changes, but I don't know what it is that changed to make stuff to not reset anymore. And it, it was, I, the, the, there were a couple of threads that, that I don't think that they pulled correctly. But that being said, I did like the resolution. I liked where they got to at the end. Um, the, the last episode was a real nice twist. Are you going to spoil something? Should I throw my headphones off and disgust? Um, no, I'll, bear in I'll, mind that I haven't finished it yet either. Okay, you're both watching it. Yes. Okay, I, I I won't spoil it, but I will say the ending episode was a nice twist as far as how they got out of it. So I won't I won't go too far into it. You this just probably this will probably be a they were the heroes. You knew they were going to get out of it. Stop. 
but I won't spoil what actually happened. And this will probably be a topic that we revisit after you guys have finished the series. Now, yeah, I think so. Here's one of my my things. I, I've said this a bunch of times on the show: is anything that repeats itself visually and basically movies that play the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. they both fascinate me and annoy me at times. Like I've said mm-hmm. a bunch of times that like I can't watch Groundhog Day anymore. It's the same stuff over and over and over again. And after I saw it once, I hated it. I couldn't. I, I saw it once and I can't do it again. Yeah. And then, no, I still think it's funny. And then some movies will do a good job of they'll start off, something will happen, you, then it resets, and they do a good job of truncating it the next couple times it happens to where there's like a sound effect or something that will, or one image that will just let you know, okay, all of this other stuff has happened. Like, I would I will say that the uh, Happy Death Day did a great job of it. Like, you know, the alarm clock basically reset the time, but you didn't have to live his entire day again. You just knew what was going to happen. Um, or her entire day. day mm-hmm. Whoops. But So I'm always fascinated how when shows do that. I thought that this one did a really good job. Uh, I love the bathroom door. I thought it was the the bathroom was really cool. Mm -hmm. The door handle, like genius. Um, Thought that that was kind of cool. And she was pretty much on screen the entire time, right? For for the most part, there's you you get you probably haven't gotten to it yet, but there's another main character. Uh, Yeah, I I did. I did. I okay. So once. Once he's introduced, he's on the he's on the start... couch playing video games at the moment for me. Okay, they they kind of start to share screen time once he's introduced. Okay, but that's hard. I think I know who that is. That's super hard to do, like mm-hmm. to be have mm-hmm. that much screen time, even if you eventually split with someone else. Because like, there's a couple scenes where like the camera, like she's just walking through a hallway and the camera's like right on her and she's just doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, which is impressive. Continuous shots. Yeah. Also, a huge amount of drug use. In this movie, which is very surprising mm. considering the the and cigarettes, yeah, a lot of cigarettes. Speaking like of chain smoking episode. the whole time, yeah, and uh, considering it's Amy Poehler, who's you know well known for Parks and Recreation, well known for a different type of show, mm-hmm. um, I'm sort of impressed that this is takes such a turn from what she normally does, and is still very mm-hmm. good from what, so far what I've seen. Yeah, it's pretty raunchy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, I think the one part I actually laughed out loud about was the. The, Jimmy, you probably have not seen this part yet, but the big pile of people where the the one friend with the short hair climbs up and she looks back. She's like, oh, I think I got myself into something good last night. And then the one dude comes up and he's wearing a uh, a strap on like a tail. I'm not sure if you uh, did you catch that part? No, I must have missed that part. So the, the girl with the short hair and the glasses, it's like a friend uh-huh. at the party. At one uh-huh. point she goes to her. It's when she asks her to help her climb down the uh, the fire escape. Okay. Because she doesn't want to take the stairs. So she, like, wakes her up from the party, and she's laying in, like, a pile of, like, naked bodies. And as she's talking to her, like, hey, can you help me with something? This dude gets up, and he's wearing, he's got a, a strap on, but it's, like, sticking out of his, like, tailbone like it's a tail. <laughs> and, like, oh, okay. Like, it's, it's glorious. But um, I'm definitely going to keep going with it. Yeah, I just as a completist, I'm I'm going to finish it. I've not really enjoyed the first episode and a half that I've watched. Um there's a, a thing that they do, and I, I didn't mention this in the movie tropes that, you know, annoy us, but it is a thing that annoys me. It's when people, when they're talking to each other, when the dialogue is happening, and each little conversation, not even conversation, it's like a little monologue, mm. you know, of being witty and funny and dark. 
you know, and people aren't really talking to each other. Right. And that's the character from American Pie. And that's that's kind of what made me associate her with with the okay. Jessica character from American Pie, because that's the same I, thing that she did in the movie. I gotcha. It's um, it, it's a thing that Kevin Smith does in all his movies. And it's a reason I'm not a Kevin Smith fan. It just annoys me. Nobody talks like that to each other. Um, and if you do, that's a circle of people I don't want to be in. It's another thing that really bothered me in the first episode. You know, she's a freelance uh, software engineer, a programmer, if you will. And she sits down at the computer and does some programming. She's got two monitors up. And on the left, she's coding. And on the right, there's this wire-framed human character. And as she's typing, it just does things where it, like, touches its face or it, like, stretches its arms back. And I'm like, that, no, that's not... That's not how that works. Yeah, to some extent, that's true. Like, it's really simplifying. But at the same time, there's also a couple things, like, not to get too techy, like, there's another part where that happens later on. It very mm -hmm. well could be that she's programming and referencing the animations that someone else did, but they don't make it seem like that. Because that is the way it works. You know, like, if someone runs forward, some animator has already done the run cycle that makes it work. And it just, you just reference But they're it. not using... They're not using 3D Studio Max version 2.0. Yeah, it wouldn't be a wireframe either. You know, yeah. So you, I, 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 you guys I will watching think. this is like me watching a medical show. Yes, and I'm like, what right. the f is this? Uh -huh. <laughs> so you're gonna keep you going just killed with it. that guy. I'm gonna keep going with it. Is it Rob already finished? Yeah. That. Is it bad? Is it bad to say that I just look forward to the different ways she's gonna die? You'll you'll really enjoy at least one of them that was like four or five consecutive deaths. Cool. Well, thank you, Rob. Woohoo! Wanted to say one last thing about Russian Doll. Uh, the reason I actually watched it, it's another one of those people on social media that you hear talking about things. Uh, one of our friends, Jacob McAllister, who is an artist, and he is a, uh, I guess, kind of an actor at Universal Entertainment, like Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. He uh, worked with Jimmy and myself, but he actually did a beautiful piece of art related to Russian Doll. And if you want to see that art, it's under You Found Jacob on Instagram and he does a lot of cool stuff. He's done, he did a uh, beautiful stitch picture. He actually just got done with a jungle cruise art. So I'm giving him a little bit of a shout out here. He's got some really cool stuff up there, out there on Instagram. So, Extraordinarily cool. talented. And we miss you, Jacob. Yeah, true. Rob, you met him at Megacon. He was the guy that had all like the, the repurposed toy guns that look like real mm -hmm. props now. Yeah. Yeah. So he did that. Okay. But I do want to talk about the Lego movie part two or Lego Movie 2, the second part, as they call it. Of course, the voice talents of Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, Will Arnett, Tiffany Haddish, or Haddish, or Haddish, or I don't Haddish. know how to pronounce that, what he said, Maya Rudolph and Stephanie Beatrice from Reno, or, oh my god, Reno 911. I should not be speaking. <laughs> from, from, was it Brooklyn 99 thing? Anyway. And th their little tagline, it's been five years since everything was awesome and the citizens are facing a huge new threat. Lego Duplo invaders from outer space wrecking everything faster than they can rebuild. So Lego Movie Part 2, it was excellent. It was as good. Well, it's not quite as good as the original, but I don't think anything could be as good as the original. Uh, did either of you guys see the original Lego movie? Nope. Yes. Okay. So after you see that movie the first time, anything that comes after it, you're going to constantly be looking for that twist in the movie, correct? Yeah, probably. Because the movie was built around a big twist. The big twist, of course, being that there is people that are in existence around this whole Lego world. And 
you know, there there's things that are kind of related to what's going on in the Lego world, just seen through the eyes of a child and the way he's playing with the Legos, basically. So watching this movie, while it's really good the whole time, anytime something happens, you're like, okay, what is this in the real world? What is that in the real world? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, would a kid really say this? Would a kid know about this? So there's a lot of that. Um, now, so the the whole point of the movie in this case, and I'm trying to try not to spoil anything too much here, is that the Lego city has kind of gone apocalyptic, very uh, Mad Max. A lot of fun little things. There's, of course, you can see the Lego sets. There's like a Statue of Liberty one that's all destroyed. And it's like, a, it's like I think it's called an Apocalypse Burg or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a, a lot of the characters from the first one are are now like changed like uh, Benny the space guy and now has like a robotic arm and the cat lady. All of the cats are like, I think they're named after like various uh, aliens and things like that, like famous movie creatures, but they have like mohawks and scars and things like that. It's actually kind of funny. But so there's this world and it's basically showing that the kid that was playing in the first one is now just a little bit older and he's kind of playing with more action type stuff. And then, of course, crazy things start appearing, like these crazy, weird aliens that are made out of Duplo blocks. And, of course, that is signifying the little sister showing up and wanting to play in the world and destroying things by accident or on purpose, whatever. Right. So that's kind of the the baseline thing. And then this one random character, this this not random, but this space character showed up, shows up and kidnaps some of the main characters. So Wild Style, Batman, uh... Benny, I think it's kidnapped. The space guy, the pirate, Metalbeard, and of course uh, Emmett. Mm-hmm. So he gets kidnapped to the home planet of the alien, and then basically the movie kind of takes from there. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Kid enjoyed it. The even though I said the thing about musicals earlier, I actually I actually liked the songs in this quite a bit. There is uh, the queen of the planet, which is you know she sings a whole song about how she's not evil. The lyrics are right. like, no, no, not evil, not evil. No, I'm the least evil person I know. Uh, I don't know. Or, no, not evil, not evil, blah, 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 blah. And of course, while so I was like, you know, it's kind of suspicious that you're leading with this. And it's, <laughs> okay. So there's little there's little jokes like that. She's like, you know, if I was evil, I would kill your entire family and destroy everything you know, but I'm not evil. And it's just things like, I'm on evil, I'm unvicious, I'm on whatever. And while so I was like, sounds like you're just putting un in front of words that are evil. So it's, it's kind of a fun song. And... Yeah, it, it eventually makes sense. Uh, the complaint I heard just from people, uh, i.e. my wife and the people we went to see the movie with, she said that it was kind of all over the place. And the weird thing about the Lego movies, all of them, because I've seen them, I've seen all of them many, many, many times, is like my feeling about the Lego movies is there's like so much stuff going on when you start watching them. You have to kind of get into the mindset because there's so many things moving at all times mm-hmm. that it's a little exhausting. Like the Lego Batman movies like that, the Ninjago ones kind of like that. Like, the first Lego movie is very much like that. And it always kind of reminded me of, like, when you kind of show up to a party a little bit late and there's so much stuff going on and you kind of don't want to be there because of it. I'm sure, like, all of us have felt that at some point, right? Yeah, I know. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, the, there's there's things called parties, bro. Oh! What is that? Yeah, we you get invited to them if you're me and Jimmy. No. Yeah. No, like, I've I remember this in college. Like, there was a couple times, like... I would come back from out of town and there were like, as I was trying to bring my stuff back to my apartment, there was a party going on in the apartment. It was the last thing I wanted to see. But then of course you end up having fun. It was kind of like that with the Lego movies. Like there's so much going on. And then when you finally settle down into that world and you're like, Oh, okay, I'm good. And that's kind of, and that is how I feel when I see, when I see those movies where it takes about five, 10 minutes to actually put myself in the mindset. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple, uh, 
little things that I I loved. I, I mentioned the song. There is an awesome Radiohead reference in one of the songs. It, it's it's on the album, so it's totally worth checking out. It's the I believe this. I don't know the exact name of the song, but I'm guessing it's Everything Is Not Awesome. And there's a Radiohead joke, and it went over everyone else's head in the theater, and I loved it. I cracked up, hmm. and my wife actually cracked up as well. So, um, and then uh, the, so the complaint I did here was it was a little all over the place. Forgive me for being all over the place, but that's kind of the point of the movie, and I. I'm trying to do this without spoiling it too much, mm-hmm. but the idea of the movie is like in some ways sharing with sister or whatever, because of course it is for kids. So the idea of the movie is sharing and having to accept other people's ideas when building something or creating something or playing with Legos or playing with toys. And I, as a result, it does seem all over the place, but that's kind of the point of it. And it's, it's odd because it's kind of the same thing I'm going through with my kid when he's like, oh, so-and-so didn't want to play with me, but... That's not really it. The so-and-so didn't want to play what you were playing. That had nothing to do with playing with you. Right. So we have that conversation a lot. And it's kind of the point of the movie in a way, like you, being open to the other ideas you know, coming from your little sister or older brother, whatever. So kind of neat. Uh, you are constantly looking for the real world twist. They are all worried about the m- our mom apocalypse. So you can kind of guess what might be happening. And uh-huh. the here's the little spoiler, of course. So, spoiler, I'll go in about 15, 20 seconds, so if you want to cut it off, that's fine. Of course, the Arbonne Apocalypse would be the mom being tired of the kids fighting over the Legos, so she's going to tear everything down and put it away, right? Like, you probably, Mm -hmm. everyone's had that happen at some point. But the idea of that is so crazy insane, because I actually looked it up, and if you were to actually build the set from the first Lego movie, which is, of course, bigger now, Mm -hmm. it would cost you approximately $5.5 million to get all those Legos. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And that's not counting man hours to actually build it. Okay. No one's mom is going no to wonder just. wonder he was gluing everything together. Right. And that's $5.5 million based on the number of pieces that they used in 3D where they didn't have to worry about things like structural integrity. So like, for example, if like someone said that, like, if you have the ocean made out of Legos and there's waves rising and falling, that thing is only calculating the top level of the waves. But in the real world, what's keeping those pieces from just floating up in the air, you know? So clearly, like, this is, they, they base this on the, how many model Lego pieces they used in 3D. But anyway, $5.5 million worth of Legos. No one's mom is just going to tear that down because she's upset that the kids are playing, or not playing well. So, a little no bit of suspension really of disbelief. No mom's really going to have to worry about that. What? No mom's really going to have to worry about that because nobody's got $5.5 million worth of Legos. I'm close. <laughs> oh, st- <laughs> just kidding. But guys, it is a great movie uh, for kids. It was fun. It kept them kept them busy. There's a you know holiday weekend coming up. I highly suggest going to see it. Like a movie too. Check it out. That brings us to our question of the week, and that question is: What are the best movies with quote resetting timelines? So, like Groundhog's Day, Russian Doll, etc. Uh, it's about passive time resetting, not the focused of time travel so So basically no one building a time machine you're saying no one's changing the time on purpose mm -hmm. but things are like just happening to them that they relive the same moment over and over again or something along those lines correct exactly okay so jimmy you never go first i think it's time for you to go first (laughs) yeah i I never go first i've got a couple of uh actually i've got an honorable mention but um that's gonna be the endless it's a movie we've talked about this year um Mm -hmm. where a couple of 
brothers who are ex-cult members go back and it turns out that they're just kind of reliving the same thing. But getting into my list, number five is going to be the movie Edge of Tomorrow. And this isn't placed quite as high as on on your list, I think, Greg. No, although mine, it did get bumped a little bit. Okay, but it, it really is a fantastic movie. Um, it's Groundhog's Day with uh, suits of armor and shooting aliens. Yes. Number four is going to be a Netflix uh, original that we talked about at great length. That's Bandersnatch. My number three is going to be The Butterfly Effect. Number two, Groundhog's Day. I'm omitting a lot of these uh, descriptions because, Greg, I think you have some. Mm -hmm. And my number one is Donnie Darko. Uh, it's it's a time travel movie that's not exactly a time travel movie. Um, if you haven't seen Donnie Darko, definitely check it out. The soundtrack's amazing. The story's amazing. The acting's amazing. So that's my list. Nice. Uh, this list was interesting and kind of easy to come up with, but then I realized I had forgotten one big one. You did. I was trying to actually get some TV-related ones. Okay. Those ended up getting pushed down. So there was an episode of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, that was that was pretty good, and it had that kind of time loop thing, which I know Rob has watched all of the Buffy episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was called Life Serial, and that's S-E-R-I-A-L, which I just got that pun as I said it. <laughs> I read it four times today, and I just realized what they are getting at. But... Uh, it was in involved uh, Buffy working at a magic shop and this thing with a mummy hand, and it was it was pretty good. And of course, Bandersnatch also somehow got bumped out, even though I really enjoyed it. I think because we were controlling the time loops or something. But now number five, Happy Death Day. Of course, we got a sequel coming up, reliving this girl's life over and over again. I've mentioned it one other time today, so we don't need to go too much into that. Uh, a movie that I kind of forgot about having a time switch thing, and that is Run Lola Run. Either guys seen that? No, it was that was another one of the big ones when I was working at Blockbuster. We only had a few copies and all the people that worked with us liked it. So it was always getting rented out. It was one of those movies that had the giant uh, that had the push of like European techno music that was supposed to become a big thing then, mm -hmm. you know, like Prodigy and stuff. But it didn't. But basically a woman needs to it, it's a real time movie. So everything happens in real time. A woman needs to get money to save her boyfriend's life and it shows all of the time that she fails as she's trying to you know, succeed. So it automatically loops. So it's kind of an interesting movie. Uh, number three, Groundhog's Day. You guys all know what that is. Number two, Edge of Tomorrow. Jimmy spoke about that. Basically, it was a great movie. It had a really stupid title and bad marketing. So it yep. didn't do very well. And it's based on a manga uh, called All You Need Is Kill, which I think would have been a much better title. And uh, even the live, die, repeat thing they had on the poster, bigger than the title of all things. It was a it been better. yeah. It was a much better movie than it was marketed because it looked like a a campy cheesy like Starship Troopers ripoff. Yes, which was mm -hmm. cheesy and campy to begin with, but it's actually a good movie. Mm -hmm. And of course, it didn't help that Tom Cruise is sometimes polarizing, and you have to kind of have him in a giant uh, what's the word I'm looking for a giant uh, series in order to get people out. Yeah. And, of course, number one, the one I totally forgot about somehow, but Donnie mm -hmm. Darko. So that got added. Thank you, Jimmy, for opening my eyes to something that I've seen a million times. You're very welcome. Great movie. Nice. Rob, are you stepping away from this one, or do you got something? No, I got something. Okay. Um, I I think I'm going to have to bump one of them off my list because they're, they actually control the time loop. I guess you could say, and that would be Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Did you see that? 
I did see that. Actually, I read it, mm-hmm. and then I saw it. I think that's okay. They do control it, but it does. Up- they have to understand that it's happening. Like they didn't build it, if I remember correctly, right? Um, I I think Miss Peregrine had something to do with it. Uh, okay. Th- they had to find a day in time where they could just continue to repeat so that they could hide, basically. Yeah. Okay. So I think I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it slide. Okay. All right. Well, then then that keeps um, that keeps me to only one TV episode on my list. Because if that was going off, I would have put Mystery Spot from Supernatural on the list. But I heard that as was it is, very good as well. what's that? I heard that was very good as well. It, it actually was. I, I like that a lot. I actually really like that show, even though it should have ended after like season three. Gotcha. Um, at number five, I'm going to put, it, it's going to be my questionable entry then. At number five, because it's a, it's a repeating day show without any time resetting or time travel whatsoever. How did they pull that off, you ask? Well, that's a little Adam Sandler romantic comedy called Fifty First Dates. That very nearly made my honorable mentions. Same here. So I, I'm sliding it in at number five because it was cute and it and it got the same premise that we're talking about without time travel, which was relatively creative. I, I, I liked I liked the premise of the movie. So I'm gonna slide that in at number five. At number four. And this is only this probably would have been higher on the list had it not been for the problems that I had with the with it, and we talked about it because we've discussed this in the past, and that would be the endless. There were there were a couple of holes in the story that that we had talked about at length. So go back and listen to that if you want to hear hear a little bit more about that. But I'm going to put that mm-hmm. at number four. Cool. At number three, I've got Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. At number two, I put Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, again, Tom Cruise, like you said, Tom Cruise is really polarizing. You know, some people like him, some people don't, but in this particular movie, I thought he was really good. So, uh, and the, the premise of the movie was great and the special effects were fantastic. It was, it was just an enjoyable movie, Mm -hmm. but at number one, I have the only, the only TV series that actually made the top five. And it took number one because I also think it was one of the first ones to do the time loop. And that's going to... Okay. I don't know and, what that was. And that's going to be cause and effect from Star Trek The Next Generation. All right. Ooh. That's cool. a Star Trek episode. That was me going on a website to check something and it had an ad that popped up. That's the one where the episode starts with Picard saying, abandon ship, abandon ship. They abandon the Enterprise and the Enterprise explodes. And then time resets, and they have to do it all over again. And then you see all the stuff that leads up to the to the evacuation, and the ship explodes again, and then it resets, and they have to figure and and they have to figure out. They start to get that deja vu feeling, and they have to figure out what's going on and and why are they stuck in this loop? And they think that there's you know a really really good episode. That's that's actually a very strong one. I did not see it because I did not watch Star Trek, but oh, TNG was great. I've heard that, but. There's no way I can go back now. There's no time, and mm-hmm. I'll just I'll move forward. Eventually, I'll watch that new Star Wars Trek show. But cool, I think we got some pretty cool lists here, and agreed. A pretty good question. Yep. Uh, but you know what's not cool? Whatever it is, Jimmy's mad about. What are you mad about, Jimmy? <sighs> you know what's not cool is uh, not vaccinating your children. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh... We've got uh, Ethan Lindenberger. Do you guys know that name? 
Yes, I do actually, because I saw uh, a he didn't ask me anything on Reddit just yesterday. Oh, did he? Yes. Okay, I'm not one to go on Reddit. I have I know there's like solid life advice on there, and you know people are generally really cool on there, and the AMEs are great. AMAs, yes. I, yeah, you that's can right. Find some good Star Trek uh, Galaxy of Heroes advice. Yes, true. Well, I might have to do that then. But Ethan grew up in an anti-vax home, and at 18, he uh, went on Reddit and asked people, you know, is this, like, why shouldn't I be vaccinated, basically? So he did his research, and he decided that he should go out and, against his mother's wishes, get vaccinated. Now, there was a paper uh that came out and, and we're all familiar with this story that uh, it connected vaccinations with autism. And this paper was thoroughly debunked and retracted by, I believe 11 of the people, 11 of the 13 people that contributed to it came back and reversed their stance. I think so the dude that wrote it lost his license or something, whatever he was mm, practicing. There are a lot of people that still point to this this paper and say, no, I'm not vaccinating my children because they'll get autism. Well, it's it's not true. Um, from 2000 to 2016, the World Health Organization estimates that 20.4 million lives were saved because of the massive uh, – not massive, but because of the measles vaccine, uh, and, and now you've got – you know, children of anti-vaxxers who were starting to hear about these measles outbreaks. Um, so I, I mentioned last week how defense attorneys will continue to defend their clients, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years later. And it, I, I feel like anti-vaxxers are the same, how they just don't want to be proven wrong. You know, these are the, the same people on, on Facebook that are uh, sharing these stupid stories and stupid people are resharing these stories who believe stuff like they read on The Onion. Mm -hmm. And it just – it drives me insane. You know, every few months, six months or whatever, this will pop up, the whole anti-vax thing. And I, I just think it's so stupid and you're you're putting – people in danger, you know, by not vaccinating your children. Um, we're talking about, you know, there are medical conditions where people have weak immune systems. There are people out there who are going through chemotherapy who can be exposed There's to these babies things. too young to be, uh, yeah. to be vaccinated yet, which is the big one. Yeah, that's, that, that is a big one. Um, I guess, Babies right out of the womb have a better immunity um, than they do, you know, later in life. Uh, but I just I can't stand this kind of militant anti-vaccination thing. And it just drives me nuts every time I hear about it. And the people that are so misinformed uh, continue to perpetuate this and put a lot of lives in danger. Mm -hmm. So that's my rant. I'm trying to be as sincere as possible. Uh, without being too angry. That's weird because it doesn't fit our usual show thing, but I think it's actually important. No, it, it and doesn't. I and I people recently, actually, of all yeah, things, and I'm like, no, I, well, what about this? And what about this? I'm like, no, that's not at all. You know, yeah, do, I'm, do I'm the sorry to get from too... legitimate 
places. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry to take this to a place where we get too um you know in real <laughs> intrusive on people's lives. Yeah, too real, maybe too political to an extent, but do your research, man, and you know, vaccinate your children. I'm I'd really love to hear your opinion, Rob. Well, the thing and perhaps I'm perhaps I'm ill informed because from what I understood as far as the paper was concerned, the the link was not actually with the actual vaccines. It was with the fact that we were overloading the kids with all these vaccines at once. At, at least that's what that's what I had heard. I don't know how accurate that is or what. But uh, no, it was a specific vaccine that was um, towards measles. And I keep wanting measles rhubarb. Yeah, yeah. Measles, I, I want to say rhubarb. <laughs> But yeah, it was that one in particular. But they also said that it had something to do with the mercury. There was a type of mercury that was in the vaccine that they said was causing it, and it none of it was true. Like huh. there was, it was disproven every possible way it can be disproven. And on top of that, they don't even use that methyl mercury or whatever it is, despite the fact that it's right. a type of mercury that goes away after ten days. They right. don't well, use my... that anymore. Yeah, not since the early like two thousands, I think. Mm-hmm. There, there's. I'll start by saying there's no reason to not vaccinate you. Um, the when I thought it was that they were being overloaded because I had also heard stories about you know parents wanting to break up the vaccines and doctors refusing to do it, and it's like, well, in that situation, there's really not any reason not to. I believe you know, I was. Is, I believe we were offered that. If the parent is willing to give all the vaccinations, just doesn't want to give them all at once. I don't see any reason why that should not be allowed. Um, but the thing that the thing that irritates me is, from what I understand, Greg, I, I know you probably remember when we were kids. If you didn't have your shots, you couldn't go to school. They wouldn't let you in. And how is it now that that we've caved and allowed these kids to come to school without their vaccinations? They say, oh, well, you know, we can't infringe on their rights. No, what about my kids' safety? Uh, that would no. be the uh, Tea Party and Libertarian side of the world. Yeah, I don't awesome. remember it, it being an option for me to say no. Yeah, it, I, it I wasn't remember, an option. You no. had to prove yeah, that you, you had, had the vaccinations. I, you had to I can prove remember. you had it before they would let you come to school. And this yeah, is actually, gathering in the I said the Tea Party gym. and whatever. This is actually one of those very weird things that extreme right and extreme left, politically, both have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Like the people that yeah. think that if you get a cold, you just need to drink some green tea and never see a doctor or, you know, whatever on the far left. But also the people on the far right, though, I don't want the government telling me what to do. It's it's a problem on both sides, which is, the, I guess, the operative word there is extreme. Mm-hmm. Vaccinate your kids. Yes. Well, thank you for your rant, Jimmy. Well, thank you for listening. Take us out of here. I will. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope I didn't get too deep tonight and uh, – and cut too hard, but you know, it's, it's my rant so I can do what I want. Damn it. And if you'd like to complain about Jimmy's rant, you can find <laughs> us on Facebook. Yeah, please, please do engage me in conversation. We'll talk and I'll be open-minded. You can find us on Facebook Don't be by searching for, for the give me five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at give me five pod, or you can also email us directly. Give me five podcast at gmail.com. And please, guys, please leave us a review on iTunes, whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps other people find us. It helps us stand out. And it it just makes us feel good. It does. Plus, you can go and buy sh- stuff 
<laughs> I love the self-censoring stuff. That's funny. I, we'll go stuff. I totally just just censored myself. Yes, that's right, guys. You can go to our store, giveme5podcast.threadless.com, for all your Give Me 5 podcast needs. You need an also, official vaccinate your kids, give me five podcast t-shirt. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. They give me five podcast vaccinates their kids. With How a picture of Rob, like, as Uncle Sam, like, point, angrily pointing at him. I want you to vaccinate your children. Exactly. Sorry, continue. Wearing a top hat with the Give Me Five podcast logo on it. Oh, that's awesome. We just made a new t-shirt. <laughs> yep. Very random. Okay, continue. Let, it, let us know if you want to buy that t-shirt. We'll get it made. Trust me. Um, we, we also have a Libsyn page. Guys, if you go to our Libsyn page, that's uh, give me 5libsyn that's L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com, you can find our Amazon link. And if you click our Amazon link and you do any purchases on Amazon, it costs you absolutely nothing, but we get a little kickback from anything that you purchase. And it helps us with server space. It helps us keep the lights on. It helps keep us going. We greatly appreciate it. We love you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. It totally did. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who thought that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded like a wet fart, he says. Yeah, it did. That'd be an awesome re- album review. Speaking <laughs> of wet farts. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Andrew O'Neill called corn a wet fart. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it made that's, me laugh so hard. That's usually what comes out with a wet fart, isn't it? Corn? Yeah. <laughs> Good job, monkey. <laughs>